I tell you, just when I didn't think I could get any sicker than I already am, I hear more things. More things that, quite frankly, you just can't make up. Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? I hope you're doing better than I am right now. Today's one of those days when I just don't feel myself. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so and you'd like to subscribe to the show, please do so by simply going to the iTunes App Store, searching for National Preview Online, NP Online, that's our usual handle, and you can subscribe in the iTunes App Store using the native uh, iTunes podcast app as your podcast aggregator app. If you'd like to use the Podbean app, uh, podbean.com is our hosting service, you can download that app in the iTunes Store as well, and for you... Folks out there who use Android devices, you can go to the Google Play Store, download the Podbean app, and subscribe that way. You can also follow our website, nationalpreviewonline.com, and you can follow our Facebook page, National Preview Online. Okay, so what am I all upset about? Well, I think by now, if you've been a regular listener to the show, Uh, And if you have a brain in your head, which if you are a listener to this show, you certainly have a lot of brains in your head. You know that Joe Biden has got one foot in the graveyard on a banana peel and that he is completely shot, which is why he campaigned from the basement, which makes it all the more remarkable that anybody who never showed up for a campaign could amass 80 million votes. It just doesn't make sense. But just when you think you've heard everything you could hear from this man putting his foot in his mouth, he does one better. Now, if you recall, I've said in some recent programs that Joe Biden was the candidate of choice for the Democratic Party, and I'm not the only one who said this, other people have said it. He's a Trojan horse because he's the only one they had on the horizon that they thought they had a remote chance of selling on the American public to create the appearance that he might be electable. They couldn't elect Kamala Harris. She dropped out before the first primary was held. She couldn't raise any money and she couldn't get any votes. Bernie Sanders was a little too far left. People never would have voted for that. They could never have made it look like people voted for that. And so they bought him off. So Biden was left. But the problem is he didn't have anything in the tank. So he just hid himself in the basement at their direction, did what he was told, and the mainstream media carried the water for him. But now, the media is portraying him as the president-elect, so they can't hide him anymore. Now he's got to go out and make statements, and every time he makes a statement, he makes a fool out of himself. He was being interviewed by Jake Tapper, him and Kamala Harris, and what was so nauseating was watching Kamala Harris uh, allowing Joe to bask in her adoring glow like she was some little girl looking at dad. Maybe she is. I don't know. Maybe she feels that way about him. Who the hell knows? But the words that come out of his mouth are going to shock you. I'm not making this up. It's a short clip, so I'm going to play it for you and let you hear it. But basically, this was a question. This was in response to a question about Jake uh, from Jake Tapper about how he would handle disagreements in his administration between Harris and himself. Now, obviously, if there's a disagreement on policy or decisions to be made between the president and the vice president, we know under normal circumstances how that thing goes, right? It goes to the president. His, his will counts. The vice president is a good counselor, 
give some advice, but at the end of the day, it's what the president wants. Listen to how Joe Biden answers this question from Jake Tapper. Don't have, and when we disagree, it'll be just like, so far, it's been just like what Barack and I did. It's in private. She'll say, I think we should do A, B, C, or D. And I'll say, I, don't, I like A, don't like B and C. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. But, and I, like I told Barack, if, if, if I reach something where there's a, a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. You heard it. (laughs) I didn't make it up. Now, that might have been an appropriate thing. Maybe he'll tell Barack. First of all, does anybody really believe he told Barack Obama that? Now, it might be appropriate to develop a disease conveniently and resign when you're the vice president. But he's the president now. So only a couple things happened here. He's actually giving you insight into what he intends to do. uh, Or... He's confused and still thinks he's the vice president, doesn't realize that he doesn't have to resign, that she has to resign. But you didn't see, hear him say, uh, well, it'd be just like with me and Barack. And I, uh, I told Kamala what I told Barack, that you know, if you ever disagree, you'll develop a disease and resign. He didn't say that. He said that he would resign. Well, he doesn't have to develop a disease. He already has one. It's called dementia. And that's why they were putting him to bed at 9 a.m. throughout the campaign, because he suffers from a condition called sunsetting. People who have dementia become much less animated and much less aware and cognitive uh, when the sun goes down and it gets past 8 o'clock at night. So in order to fool him into thinking it was still early in the day, they were putting him to bed at 9 a.m. so that he could seem quasi-functional during the debates with Donald Trump. But Joe Biden is not a well man. He's in very bad shape. It took him a full day to release a story that he broke his ankle while playing with his dog. Uh, in all probability, he probably had a stroke and fell. Uh, that wouldn't, I wouldn't put that past him. But that's what he said. I mean, I didn't make it up, ladies and gentlemen. That's what he said. You want to hear it again? I'll, I'll find it out for you. Let you hear it again. Just say I didn't doctor this thing up. I think we are simpatico on... Our philosophy is a little more of it. Sympatico on how we want to attach, approach these issues that we're facing. And so I don't have, and when we disagree, it'll be just like, so far, it's been just like when Barack and I did. It's in private. She'll say, I think we should do A, B, C, or D. And I'll say, I don't, I like A, don't like B and C. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. But, and I, like I told Barack, if, if, if I reach something where there's a, a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. So I suspect we can see Joe Biden resigning rather soon. Uh, he's in bad shape. And you're going to see, as you've already begun to see, but especially once the inauguration, if it ever comes to that, God forbid, uh, once the inauguration comes to pass, you're going to see the mainstream media really, really digging in to this Hunter Biden story because they want Joe Biden out. They never wanted him as president. They don't want him as president. He's simply there. He's a placeholder. He's not there to be president. He's there to make everybody think he's president. He was just there to try and provide a plausible alternative to Trump in terms of being old guard and steady and predictable and not radical. Their whole plan 
was to elect a woman that could never be elected in 100 years in this, in this country, and that's Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris is a radical. She's not even a socialist. She's a communist. And she's a racist. Make no mistake about that. But I wanted to lead off with that because that's really got me bummed out today, to think that this idiot is a hand's breadth away from the presidency. Now, moving right along, I wanted to give you some numbers here before we get to the, uh, the big news of the day. Pandemics. I'm, I'm getting a little tired of them calling this coronavirus a pandemic. Uh, pandemics, to me, are things like the bubonic plague, which wiped out a third of the population of Europe. Now, if this coronavirus, which is not anywhere near as lethal as the bubonic plague or the Spanish flu of 1918, uh, if, if this thing is a pandemic, the COVID-19 virus, what do you call the bubonic plague? A super pandemic? The 1918 influenza pandemic, according to this article, from the Center of Disease Control, just so you know, I'm not picking some radical newspaper, I'm picking the CDC, was the most severe pandemic in recent history. It was caused by an H1N1 virus with genes of avian origin. It is estimated that about 500 million people, or one-third of the world's population, became infected with this virus. The number of deaths was estimated to be at least 50 million worldwide, with about 675,000 occurring in the United States. 675,000, ladies and gentlemen. That's more than two and a half times the number of cases, number of deaths that we've had in the United States from the um, COVID-19 virus. And remember, in 1918, the population of the country was a little more than a third of what it is now. So on order of magnitude, it was far more lethal than the COVID-19 virus. And if you wanted to get a sense of what it would be like with the present-day population, you'd have to have a trebling of that 675,000 figure. You'd be having something that was approaching in excess of 2 million. So that's 10 times what we have right now. So it's completely different. And it was also different in the way it affected people. The mortality was high in people younger than five years old. It was high in people 20 to 40 years old. And it was high in people 65 years and older. So if you were between six and 19, not so much. If you were between 41 and 64, not so much. But these groups, there were some unique issues, went straight for the lungs. It was primarily something that affected the lungs. It didn't affect other organs as extensively as, uh, as it did the lungs, and it resulted in this death. Now, I'm always rem- reminded of the, of the 1918 Spanish flu, as they call it, even though nobody really knows where it started. It got to this country when American servicemen came back after World War I, because my father, rest in peace, is buried in a cemetery uh, here in Westchester County. And it's a, it's a Catholic cemetery. My, my, my family's Catholic. And right near where my father is buried, there is a group of headstones. And if you look at the dates on those headstones, the dates of birth and the dates of death, you see they were all young children. And all about that time, 1918, 1919, all of them dead from the Spanish flu. 
in great numbers. The worldwide numbers you heard, 50 million people dead out of 500 million people infected. That's 10%. We're not even approaching that, ladies and gentlemen. We're not even approaching that. The population of the world is 6.5 billion people. Do you know what 10% of that would mean? We'd have to have 650 million people dead to approach that. We're nowhere near that. Nowhere near that. There are so many communicable diseases that have a death rate far in excess of what this COVID-19 death uh, disease has, and we do nothing about it. I keep coming back to the analogy I made the other day on the show, but I, I wanted to look at it because I've, I've just been hearing about all these things they want to do, a second lockdown, they're predicting a second wave, and I wanted to mention it today because I mentioned to you yesterday in the show that this lunatic, Biden, he put his foot in his mouth with this getting a disease and resigning remark, but he put his foot in his mouth the other day saying that when he gets inaugurated, the first thing he's going to ask the American people to do is wear a mask for 100 days, and this is going to solve all our problems. Going to wipe it all out. That and the vaccines. The vaccines, which, by the way, he had nothing to do with, and which he will try and take credit for. Those vaccines are only here because of the accelerated rate that Donald Trump unleashed the private sector forces in this country to attack it by developing these vaccines. But he said that we can fully expect that between now and January, 250,000 Americans are going to die from the COVID-19 virus. We've had 267,000 die since the very beginning. We're talking about eight months with this thing, 10 months. And now he's telling us in the next 28 days, a number equivalent to all those who have died uh, since we first came to face this, this virus are going to expire in the next 28 days, given all that we know about it now and all the increased therapeutics we have. This man is smoking crack. He's either smoking crack or he's, it's proof he's just out there. He doesn't know a goddamn thing. You can't possibly convince me that 80 million people voted for this nut. Because that's what he is. I mean, I, I can't sugarcoat it. What else would you call it? He's a nut. People think Trump is nuts. Trump is not nuts. Trump is sly. Trump is slick. Trump is smart. He didn't make money by being stupid. He made money by being smart. Now, Biden made money, too, but he made money by stealing it. He made money by getting in bed with our enemies. I don't know how you work 47 years, never had a real job. You work for the government. Uh, he was a senator for a great number of years. Now, senators don't make a great deal of money, but they're not poor. They make about 200000 now, but they didn't always. They used to make about 100000 a year. Then it was a little more. You know, they vote themselves raises. But it's, it's insufficiently efficacious to be able to purchase and maintain four luxury homes on lakefronts. I mean, maintaining one big luxury home, multi-million dollar home, would be a lot on a salary like that. Maintaining four of them? I don't quite know how you do it on a government salary. Uh, I can tell you from experience, my relative... Um, that had a home before they got, before they got rid of it in, um, in a suburb here in Westchester. And it was valued at $4 million. The taxes on the home here in New York were $1,000 a week. That's 
But that's what you pay when you live in desirable areas. And the home is valued at $4 million. So let's assume, for the sake of argument, that Joe Biden's homes were not worth $4 million each. Let's assume that they were only worth $2 million each. And let's further assume that he doesn't pay $50,000 a year in taxes, property taxes we're talking about. He pays $25,000 a year in taxes. He pays them on four homes. That would mean $100,000 fully of his $200,000 Senate salary, whatever his vice presidential salary was, just went to pay the property taxes on his home. It's simple math. You could say his wife makes money too, but he wasn't always married to this woman. $100,000 a year in taxes. What about the electricity? What about the heating? What about the cars? What about the phones? What about your personal income taxes? What about a host of other things? The, the point I'm trying to make, ladies and gentlemen, you don't need a calculator to figure out there's no way this guy could legitimately afford these homes. And when you look at the revelations that came out about Hunter Biden, you know exactly how he f- afforded it. The same way the Clintons afforded it. They say they left the White House penniless. Penniless. They were broke. And then before she ran for president, they were worth $375 million. How do you do that? When you don't have a business, you don't work for anyone, you don't have a product, how do you make all this money if you're not stealing it or selling influence, selling the country down the line? We know exactly how it's been done. Now, getting back to the uh, vote of fraud, on yesterday's show, I bemoaned the fact that William Barr, the Attorney General of the United States, was a grave disappointment to me and a great many other Americans because he said he hadn't seen significant evidence, and I highlighted a bunch of evidence. Well, we have another little piece of evidence here. You know, the, the nature of the evidence here is part palpable and part mathematical. And people shouldn't be afraid of that. People shouldn't be dissuaded because there isn't always a smoking gun. Because math is an exact science, as my father always told me. It's an exact science. Two plus two always equals four. You can't make it equal something else. It is what it is. So when you look at the mathematics, before you even get to actual evidence, if you just look in total of the mathematical probabilities in this election, you knew that something was wrong. You add anything else to that mix, any other factual data, eyewitness testimony, sworn to under penalty of perjury, this becomes more than just anecdotal evidence. It becomes real. We've said it before. Pennsylvania, where there was tremendous fraud, six and a half million votes cast, 4.2 million of them counted on election eve, 64%. Do the math. That leaves 2.3 million votes left. Donald Trump had a lead of over 750,000 votes. Miraculously, they stopped counting. No reason given. Say we're going to resume in the morning. And then we find out they went on to count in the middle of the night after all the Republican poll watchers were thrown out. And next thing you know, a 750,000 vote lead for Donald Trump turns into an 80,000 vote lead for Joe Biden. 
a swing of over 840,000 votes. How do you get that with only 2,300,000 votes left? Do the math. If they each got equal, if the votes split 50% on 2,300,000, that would be 1,150,000 votes for each of them. You'd have to go 400,000 up, basically. What am I saying? Almost 500,000 up. So that would mean Biden would have to get uh, 1,800,000 of those votes or more. And Trump would only get about 250,000. It's mathematically impossible. Well, it's not impossible, but it's so, so high on the list of improbability that it's nearly impossible, which is precisely why these vote counts in all these democratically controlled states at the same time were halted. Because if any more votes were counted and that lead for Trump had grown, there wouldn't have been a sufficient percentage left uncounted to make plausible the possibility that Biden could regain the lead. This pattern repeated itself in not just simply Pennsylvania. It repeated itself in Michigan. It repeated itself in Wisconsin. It repeated itself in Arizona. It repeated itself in Georgia. It repeated itself in Nevada. How did this happen? All these states at the same time? First of all, I can never remember. I've been watching elections since I'm a little boy. I'm 61 now. And I never remember an election where they just decided to, we'll stop, we'll pick it up in the morning. I've never heard of such a thing. I've never heard of such a thing. And now you've got people saying how they were thrown out. You've got people from the post office saying that they were ordered to backdate ballots. You've got people swearing under penalty of perjury that they saw ballots put in twice. You've got people under penalty of perjury testifying to truckloads of ballots being delivered in the middle of the night. We've got this new whistleblower talks about a truckload of ballots for Pennsylvania trucked in from New York. I don't know how the hell they got there. Doesn't know where they went. And you've got research by a statistician in Georgia who says that he can identify 20,000-plus people who filed national change of address forms. We've discussed this before. Saying they moved out of Georgia. And he can show you their registrations from the states they moved to and the fact that they voted there. And they also voted in Georgia. Now, I don't know what Attorney General Barr is talking about when he says he's seen no evidence of fraud. Clearly, that's fraud. And if you've got 20,000 people that cast votes, the overwhelming majority of them for Biden, in a state that they no longer lived in, where they were no longer legally entitled to vote, and you have a margin of victory for Biden of 12,000, and you're saying that is an outcome changing. I don't know what is. Maybe they need, like, really a smoking gun. These are people that, to hold the Trump team trying to prove this fraud to the standard that they are expressing here would be tantamount to a jury and a judge demanding from the prosecutor in a criminal homicide trial the production of a videotape showing the defendant clearly blowing the brains out of the victim. Otherwise, anything short of that, we're not going to convict. And you and I know that that isn't the case. In this country, 
Criminal prosecutions require proof beyond a reasonable doubt, which, when reduced to a mathematical figure, usually, depending who you listen to, runs into something on the order of 97 or 98 percent or more. Certainty. It's not like civil cases, which is only a preponderance of the evidence. Any, any increment above 50 percent is sufficient to give you the victory. But in a criminal prosecution, 97.8. That's what you need, 97, 98 percent to send somebody away. And they're saying that that's not good enough. They want it on videotape. Well, fortunately, that's the topic of today's show. We have videotape. We now have videotape from Georgia that shows poll workers being hustled out. And after everyone is out, we see these women, the four people who stayed behind, who were allowed to stay behind, producing ballots from underneath a black table from out of a suitcase and begin scanning and counting them. Now, one thing we know for sure, ballots are not transported or stored in suitcases in polling places. Nobody puts ballots in a suitcase and brings them to a polling place. Who does that? U.S. Postal Service? Nobody. These were ballots that were manufactured. Now, you've got it. You've got it on videotape. You see it. You see it. In my opinion, the people identified in those videotapes should be squeezed. They should be arrested for engaging in fraud. And I'm sure that once their feet are put to the fire, they will give up the whole plan. They'll say this was part of a plan all along, and it was a plan that was replicated in all these states by these Democratic power brokers. And ladies and gentlemen, if this is allowed to stand, this country will be unrecognizable. I mean, there's no limit to this stuff. I read an article that said that that, that fool, James Comey, that, that traitorous bastard that he is, he's going to be teaching law at Columbia Law School. By what sophistry of reason is this man allowed to teach anything, anywhere? The guy should be teaching uh, GED to inmates in a federal penitentiary. He shouldn't be teaching law to anyone should be teaching at any institution of higher learning. Nothing. But we've got a little more. I just want to find it for you, because I've been looking at a few things here. Where we go. Ah, yes. Yesterday, you recall, I mentioned a story that was being verified. Now it appears in the Epic Times. They put their name to it. Dominion's parent company arranges $400 million placement. Remember I told you the Chinese own Dominion and everybody's trying to deny it? Well, here we go. Once again, a filing with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC. Pay attention, A.G. Barr. You've heard of the SEC. You can talk to them. Shows that UBS Securities, LLC, arranged a private placement of $400 million in U.S. currency with Staple Street Capital III, LP, on October 8th of this year, 2020. Staple Street Capital is a private equity firm located here in New York. They purchased Dominion Voting Systems on July 17th, 2018, for an undisclosed amount. The securities firm that arranged that transaction is 
uh, UBS Securities LLC is a division of UBS Americas Incorporated, which ultimately falls under the UBS Group AG, a company listed on six Swiss stock exchange. Three of the four board members of the UBS Securities LLC are Chinese, according to Bloomberg, at least one of whom appears to reside in Hong Kong. In 2014, USB Securities LLC arranged a $200 million private placement for Staple Street Capital, a previous company name. Staple Street Capital III was founded in 2020. The previous company was Staple Street Capital II. The previous company operated as a private equity fund and used the funds to invest in medium-sized businesses. Dominion is facing multiple allegations for violating security standards and election manipulation, and it has denied those allegations, saying the company has no ownership ties whatsoever to USB or the governments of China, Cuba, or Venezuela. But Staple Street Capital made significant changes to its website recently. Information about the team, the executive board, and the portfolio have all been deleted. Neither Dominion nor State Street Capital has responded to a request for comment from the Epic Times. You know what this is, ladies and gentlemen, when you see companies deleting data, these were the same companies that were called to testify. They were subpoenaed in Pennsylvania and I, be, I believe Michigan and just never showed up. And now they're saying, these are, this is the kind of people that they're, they're giving an interview, the, doing this to a website, deleting, cutting your, your, your strings, cutting your ties, deleting information about your team, your executive board, the portfolio of your holdings of your company. This is rather like someone on their cell phone giving an interview with CNN saying, of course, I deny vociferously all that allegations, as you hear in the background. Final boarding call for Flight 23 to Buenos Aires. You know, that's the kind of thing that's what we, what's going on here. These people can't get out of town fast enough to a non-extradition company. Nobody knows where they are. They're closing out their offices. I mean, this thing is so patently obvious as a theft. Even though... You know, everybody tries to dispirit you in the mainstream media and tells you what a heavy lift it is to prove this. I, I can't bring myself to accept, I can't wrap my head around the fact that this out-and-out out theft out in the open is going to be allowed to occur. Look, I do know they shot the President of the United States dead in cold blood in front of thousands of witnesses in Dallas in 1963. We all know John F. Kennedy was killed. It was a different country then. That was the death of our innocence. We believed in the country. We believed in the government. It's a little different now. Phones are everywhere. Cell phone videos everywhere. Information travels at lightning speed, powered by the internet. Not so easy to do. So they did it in an orchestrated way, and I explained it in an October show. I said that these polls, these polls were designed to back up this fraud. They were telling you that he was ahead, Biden, and they were telling you, don't worry, it's going to appear that Trump has a massive victory on Election Day. But when those mail-in ballots are counted, it's going to be all over. They were, in effect, telling you how they were going to steal it. And even they didn't expect that Trump would get the votes he got. Even they still underestimated the man, because you can bet your butt Think about it, ladies and gentlemen, if they, if they really knew how many votes Donald Trump would get, 
They would have had to inflate it in advance. And inflating it in advance and weighing the scales in advance would have removed the necessity to stop counting. Don't you think... I mean, ask yourself this question. Don't you think, stealing the election as they did, that they would have much preferred never having to stop counting so that they wouldn't afford this opportunity for people to bolster their allegations of fraud by highlighting the fact that six states independently all elected to stop counting at just about the same number of percentage of votes that came in? Don't you think they would have preferred the count just continue on and reveal Biden to be the winner? Of course they would. And I'm sure that was their intent. But they never realized how many votes Trump would get. So they had no alternative but to halt the counting when Dominion told him it's getting out of hand. This guy's rolling over you. He's got too many votes. If you keep counting, you're screwed. There's no way you're ever going to come his margin. You better do something about it now. And do something they did. It's so patently obvious. And now you've got the video. And it's my opinion, that video, coupled with the anomalies and the provable things that I just mentioned about the ballots in Florida being mailed in from people who no longer live there, should cause any court to reverse the decision in Georgia. But more than that, should cause the state legislature in Georgia to seat new electors and send them to Washington to vote for Donald Trump. And I believe it'll be a domino effect. Once one of these states, once one of these state legislatures has the intestinal fortitude to do this, it'll be that much easier for the others to do it. Because the evidence of this fraud is only going to continue to grow. It's not going to disappear. I mean, to the extent that the people on the other side of this thing can eliminate things like they're trying to do, where Sidney Powell had to get an injunction against them wiping out voting machines. I mean, the threadbare excuse that they had to reset them for the runoffs in January. We're talking about December. Electors haven't even been seated yet. It takes you one day to reset the machines. Why the rush? Because as soon as you reset them, you wipe everything out. And now we're going to get forensic audit- auditing a lot of these things. Now, once you can show that votes are manipulated in one location, and all the same patterns took place in all the locations. And he had the same Dominion voting system in all these states. It's going to seem a lot more palpable and a lot more reasonable. And I think a lot more people will be wedded to the idea of seating new elections at these various state legislatures. So I'm telling you what I've been telling you all along. Do not give up hope. Because everything you're hearing about it's over, it's over, it's over, are all coming from the same people who told you all these months that there was a blue wave coming and that Biden was ahead and that Trump would never get anything. Trump got 11 million more votes than he got in 2016. Biden was never ahead. Somebody who doesn't show up can't possibly be ahead. So enjoy your weekend. Keep up the faith. Follow us on Parler at National Preview Online. Please stay in touch with us. This thing is going to grow. Our movement is going to grow. Our show is going to grow. And we're not going to stop until we see this country is brought back to where it's supposed to be. Where it's a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And not of and by the elite and the government bureaucrats. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.